welcome to the Shoot This Now podcast. My name is Tim Malloy. I'm Matt Donnelly. Matt Donnelly, what do we do on the Shoot This Now podcast? On the Shoot This Now podcast, we talk about ideas, stories, anecdotes, magazine articles, anything that we see out there that we think would make an incredible movie, but has not yet been adapted for one. It could also maybe be an incredible TV show. Sure. We don't care. That's up to you, the listener, who takes these ideas, steals them from us, writes a screenplay, shops it around, gets a studio, puts it out in the world. I mean, obviously, you'll cut in our fee and give us producer credits, but still. Or just steal it. We don't care. We just want good things to watch on a Sunday afternoon. Happy going into the long weekend, Matt. So true. I'm happy as well. Um, Are you going to have a burrito because it's your favorite thing to do? Yeah, I'm going to have a burrito in about three hours. (laughs) While watching, that's your reason. That's your big Friday plan. Yeah, the wife and I are gonna probably watch the fifth episode of Westworld, where they go to Japan, or where they go to Shogun World. Oh, I didn't even know there was a second park. Thanks. Oh, sorry, it's guys. It's okay. I haven't started. And eat burritos place. from La Plancha, your um, favorite place, which here is in a Los great Angeles. place. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's the plan. Last week, to give people an example of what we do on this show, we talked about the time that Alistair Crowley, yes, who is a real person, um, tried to use sex magic to bring a demon into the world. And in the interest of equal time, this week, we're going to do <laughs> the holiest, Catholicest, the holiest of holies, Irishest mm-hmm. thing um, you've ever heard. Before we jump into this incredible true story of a really valiant, truly, and look up the definition of that word, woman, um, yeah. I'd like to share a small story Okay. Um, that also is inspired by something maybe riff from the headlines, as they say about SVU. Mm-hmm. Today, I was quite late coming into the office where I work here at The Wrap with Tim Malloy. You were. Um, because a Mylar balloon uh, collided with some power lines and caused an explosion last night that took out my entire block. And Tim doesn't leave too far, live too far from me, so right. I feel like I'm surprised it didn't affect you. Right. Um, and my power was on and off all day, and my water heater is electric. So it was hard to leave the house because I couldn't get ready and do my thing. And then Tim sends me an email, and I'm kind of embarrassed because you don't, and I'll, I'll admit this to you, our listeners, um, it's embarrassing to tell your boss that you can't shower, so you have to wait before you come in to work. Because I smell everyone when they walk through the door and make sure they've showered, and if they haven't, I say, you need to go but home wait, right now. I, I, I've been known to take up to three showers a day. I make them breathe to conserve water, but I need to, sh- like, I need to shower to reset and live my life. I can't, I'm not one of those people who can, like, go days. That's okay. Cool. That's okay. Um, I would never make it at Berkeley. Uh, just kidding. Sick burn, Damn. Berkeley. Damn. Anyway. Well, I hope nobody um, found us through the Angela Davis episode I because <laughs> there's a lot of Berkeley. and you know it. I'm not going to hear anything any there's different. There's a lot of Berkeley in that episode. Um, anyway, I send this email just to Tim and, and our managing editor, Tom Guy, in New York. And I'm like, hey, guys, this is what's going on. And Tim responds, um, this is a plot thread from Breaking Bad. Because it is. And I'm like, are you implying that I took... A, a TV sh- show thread plot line and uses an excuse to not come into the office. Which, and is, then which is not a thing that anyone would ever think I was implying. Tim heavily implied it. I did not imply it's, it. It's there. You guys, you guys would see it and you'd be like, wow. Anyway. You've all obviously seen the Breaking Bad episode where Mike, the trained <laughs> assassin, uses a Mylar child's balloon, lets go of it so that it goes up to the power lines. It's a helium balloon. Goes up to the power lines, cuts off power all up and down the street, uh, and then he goes in and kills a bunch of people in a meth cartel. Why that doesn't happen every day, I have no <laughs> idea. Not the part about the meth cartel, but the part about people just you know, doing shenanigans and using the Mylar balloon oh to shut off streets. You know, people think that cyber terrorism is the new frontier and how to mess with our lives. Yeah. But really, it's just taking a bir- kid's birthday balloons and fucking with our power. You should need a license to get anyway. a Mylar balloon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, first with background checks. Um, anyway... 
I was fortuitous enough, or it was fortuitous enough that I found a clip. A local news truck came to investigate the explosion from the balloon, and I sent that to Tim, and I'm like, you should chew on this, because it's real, and it happened, and it merited local coverage. So I was triumphant in the face of his skepticism. You proved true the story that I had no doubt was true. You guys, he's painting a picture here. He's really selling you some snake oil. Uh, But... From snake oil to holy oil. Let's talk Great about transition. our... Great Thank you so much. Um, before we get into this, <laughs> uh, we hope that you will give us some stars on iTunes. Um, oh, yes, please do. They help the thing a lot. We're dropping this on a long holiday weekend. You don't have that much to do. You're probably on a long drive. You can just scramble through your iPhone and look on the podcast app. It's the purple one that you're using right now. Probably scroll to the bottom, like where it says more available episodes or something along those lines, and just like click five and then write some cute thing about it. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly how to do it step <laughs> by step because I honestly just fumble around myself. Why don't you just discover? Go, just go become and discover. You might discover some of our other episodes along the way and yeah. like those. We did agree. I mean, I, I still love the Tylenol murders. If you want to give Matt all five stars and give me zero stars, yes. that's fine. That's totally fine. If you want to give my totally legit work excuse, five stars, then then rate this episode five stars. You could be giving the five stars to the wonderful nun who this episode is about yes. and give zero stars to Matt and me. Exactly. We'll take those stars. Um, so now that we've said none, we kind of have everyone morally hostage. So why don't you yeah. take this precious platform you have and tell us about this week's subject. Yeah, feel free to turn it off or not give us the stars, but um, God is watching. God is watching and he judges. Or so she judges. So, so we... sort of pitched around whether to call this episode Clueless Meets Oz, Legally Blonde Meets Green Mile, Troop Beverly Hills... You keep changing every (laughs) reference. Troop Beverly Hills meets uh, Dead Man Walking. But I think you get the idea. This story is about a Beverly Hills mom who decides to become a prison nun in Tijuana in an extremely dangerous, extremely unpleasant dirty, overcrowded, scary prison yeah. where the prisoners are miserable a lot of the right. time. Um, we promised that this would be the Irishish, Catholicish episode we've ever done. Ever done. And wow, so here's not what only do, do we have a Tim Malloy and a Matt Donnelly running things. We're talking about nuns in prison, which is the most Irish things in the entire <laughs> world. And also, by the way, like it's so Irish in here right now, we're about to have a knife fight at a communion party. We ha- we're two toilet Irish get all up me, in this place. Get me Michael Lohan. Um, <laughs> well, uh, this entire episode is based on a book. You say toilet <laughs> Irish. <laughs> two toilet <laughs> Irish. It's the fancy That's Irish. so upsetting and true. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I always think about my sweet grandmother, Myra Donnelly, whose favorite chair was a lawn chair from Kmart, and then she loved it so much she <laughs> put it in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Why the hell not? Oh, um, I loved her. This is... Largely taken from the book *The Prison Angel* by Tell Me These People Are in Irish, Mary Jordan and Kevin Sullivan. Both oh, of Mary them Jordan <laughs> and Kevin Sullivan. Both of the Washington Post reporters from <laughs> New England, who somehow ended up working together um, in Mexico. And God, if that isn't a great story, like complete I fish know. out of water. New exactly. England, how m- much? Mainer and a New Hampshire. What was the sunscreen budget? On that track, like, <laughs> like, what's the expense report to the post of 100 SPF? Well, and I always say that before aerosol, right? I w- my my wife's parents are Irish, and I always tell people that like, if I described her to you, like, 
you would go, oh, she must be from Latin America because she, her parents grew up in a small village that didn't have electricity. Um, when someone was sick, you would tend to go to the priest. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of, like, there wasn't electricity until her dad helped bring electricity to the town by, like, erecting <laughs> the poles and everything. Crazy. Um, and it sounds very, like, third world. It's funny to me, therefore, that a lot of people are like, oh, these third world immigrants are pouring in and destroying our country and blah, 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 blah. But no one ever seems to take issue with the charming Irish bartender who might also be here illegally. Exactly. Why? I don't know. Racismo. Racismo. Yeah, that's racismo. <laughs> but we're all God's children, aren't we? As our subject of the week teaches us. Yes. So her name is Antonia Brenner. Mm -hmm. uh, in Spanish, she's sometimes known as Madre Brenner. I'm sorry, Madre Antonia in English, she's sometimes known as Sister Antonia. And her dope nickname is? Uh, her dope nickname is The Prison Angel. Which is funny because I think in a different context that could be quite ominous. Yeah. Like um, Omar from The Wire could be the prison angel in one, like an angel of death kind of thing. But she's a good angel. She's a very good she's angel. Very she's good angel. one of the best angels, so if I may sweet. say. Um, she's in the 60s, a twice-divorced mother of eight. She's living in Beverly Hills. She's inherited a large amount of money from her father, um, she's doing a lot of volunteer work in Mexico and other places, uh, and eventually this leads her to start volunteering in a prison in Tijuana, where she's providing things like eyeglasses, blankets, toiletries. Uh, when prisoners don't have anywhere to go uh, after they die, she arranges for their oh burials. Oh, my God. And at one point, she actually moves into the prison and lives with the prisoner. She wow. lives in the women's section of the prison in like a 10 by 10 area. She mm. showers there. She does everything there. She is the prison angel, and all of them revere her. No yeah. one will give her any trouble at all. No. Her, um, her love and her intention is pure. She, in order to become a nun, uh, she wants to become a nun, but because she's twice divorced, that's not that easy to do in the 60s. Yeah. So she starts her own religious order, the Judas Servants of the 11th Hour. Yeah. I, I have to say, just not to interrupt you or, or stop momentum, but like that alone is so much to unpack um, because I, I'll never forget there's a there was a Sex in the City episode where Miranda decides to baptize her baby to make her Irish baby daddy's family happy. Yeah. And she is a lawyer and she goes through and she redacts a lot of stuff from the service because she thinks it's over the top and she's yeah. not Catholic and she doesn't really care. Yeah. Um, and there's a joke in the narration by Sarah Jessica Parker that says like, and at this point the Catholic Church was the 35 single, single there's a Sarah Jessica Parker joke that says, at this point, the Catholic Church is a 35-year-old single woman. She doesn't have much choice, so she has to agree to whatever. So I'm like, how is the Catholic Church in a position to turn away someone who desperately wants to serve? Well, this was in the 60s and 70s. That's true. Um, when the Catholic Church had a little more swagger. By the way, I'm scared to question my institution. I'm a lapsed Catholic, but I still love him, but I'm not going to be silent. I'm a non-Catholic who has gone to more Catholic services than any other type I know. of service in the last it? 20 you years. I want to die. Um, well, it's because of people like this. It's it's actually oh, the walk the walk Christians and walk the walk Catholics mm -hmm. who um, really do practice what they what they their religion espouses. And yeah. these people blow my mind. You obviously don't have to be Catholic to do this or Christian to do this. Um, people who just do incredibly human, beautiful things. Yeah. Um, and can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. Do you ever feel, and I'm, I'm probably betraying way too much about myself, do you ever feel like imposter syndrome when you're in? <laughs> oh, all the time. Uh, every single time. <laughs> I don't even pretend to be Catholic. Like, I don't. No, no, not because you're the wrong religion, but when you see people doing good works and you see that earnestness, I feel like, I feel like such a fraud when I'm in those positions where I'm like, I just want to like order pizza, watch Netflix, and talk shit about my friends. 
<laughs> um, not, not true. The not other true thing is, if you ever do a good thing, t the, to resist the temptation to subtly tell someone <laughs> yes, about it. Exactly. Like, which you just shouldn't ever do. Yeah. Um, I so don't, yeah. Yes, imposter syndrome all the time. I look at somebody who, like, commits their life to helping prisoners in a terrible environment, and I imagine, like, could I do that? And I'm like, yeah, I could totally do that. And then I think, like, yeah, but you know that special pillow you need to fall asleep and you can't possibly fall asleep without that one pillow? You would last five seconds yeah. in Tijuana prison. Or like what after you have like the, your experience, like you're like, um, y you know, we're all human and, and this is a great equalizer, but then you're like, God, I really need a hot shower with decent water pressure and I don't have my face cream and I, you and know. And there's like mylar balloons. And the mylar balloons just keep taking the power out so I have to call someone. My fault for living behind a party city. Just kidding, I don't. Um, that'd be great, though. So anyway, here's how this story yes, starts. Um, I am a hacky writer, so my go-to with everything is to start in the middle of the action and then go backwards, like Breaking Bad does in the pilot. Um, we start off with Walter White in his underwear about Stop to get arrested. This is a framework for the episode, please. Um, I won this round, Tim, to accept it. Walter White, <laughs> at the beginning, is standing like in the thick of things. We think we're, he's about to get arrested, and then we yeah. flash back and see how he got here. So I think this is the scene we open on, and it is the wonderful opening of this fantastic book, The Prison Angel, which we recommend. The yes. first two lines, a riot rages inside La Mesa State Penitentiary in Tijuana, Mexico. It's Halloween night, 1994, and the 2,500 convicts locked inside. One of the country's most violent and overcrowded prisons are struggling, as they do every day, to live one more. I'm in. Wow. I'm in. Does anyone want to know what they all wore for Halloween? That was my question. Um, well, here's the cool thing. Because <laughs> this is in Tijuana, we get to have the Day of the Dead masks. Oh, my God. So, so that's imagine, such a good... Imagine I mean, this I opening scene. I think Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro are starring in this movie that opens in two weeks. Th they're racing past. So we've got everybody out on their Day of the Dead masks. Yeah. The prisoners are, have had it. They're hungry. Yeah. They don't have any kind of decent Overheated. living conditions. And then a solitary figure dressed in white walks through all of this chaos. Wow. That is our hero, Sister Antonia. She goes Dope. through the prison walls. Um, everyone lets her pass. The guards let her pass. The prisoners let her pass. And we find out what's going to happen next. And then we flash back to how she got here. Yeah. Um, amazing story. Amazing way to start the story. These two writers... Uh, Washington Post, they don't mess around. No. They produce some great writers. That's so amazing. Um, and so then, you know, we obviously do the movie the same way we go back. We have to lay the groundwork at some point for some higher religious figure who could be an amalgamation of several characters saying, oh, you can't possibly join the order. Yeah. You're twice divorced. Exactly. And then at some point during the thing, as she's doing all these things for prisoners, bringing them the eyeglasses, bringing them the blankets, bringing them the toiletries, um, she starts her own order, which allows her to become a nun. And then, this is amazing, the actual Catholic Church takes in that order. Recognizes it, yeah, which is incredible. Which is awesome. Um, I was saying to Tim before, too, it, it, it's that I, the, the rules around sainthood are so nebulous. Yeah. Um, but they go back through your life and they find, they have to find three miracles. Right. To saint you. But I think if they want it hard enough, they find them. And well I think there are probably more than one here for her. Not that I'm, uh, she's in consideration, but she should be probably. Quelling a prison riot, I would call a miracle. Nice. Um, yeah. If you are a single, solitary, elderly woman, mm. um, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, getting the Catholic Church to take you in after you've been twice divorced. I mean, come on. Is a pretty good. That's a miracle, pretty pretty right, miracle. ladies? And um, I mean, we have to remember this woman's Irish. She had to overcome a lot. Yes, she had she to overcome like her mother. Mm-hmm. 
her siblings. Yeah. Her cousin, her nine hundred cousins. She has nine hundred cousins. I have. Do you have? I have nine hundred cousins. I'm not real. My grandmother used to call, just call me the loud one. Wow. That's how many. She cousins couldn't tell which of. <laughs> no, but then she knew because I got all the attention. Because <laughs> I, I took it. That's how. <laughs> She'd be like, loud one. So, yeah, she's in. <laughs> I think she's in. Um, I'm not in charge of these things. I'm okay. not even Catholic. No, but I think that it's, it's, go it's going there. And also, like, again, this is such a – the Catholic Church occasionally makes headlines for stuff that's not so miraculous. So I think that this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that uh, recognizing her and pulling her in and the work she does is so important. I especially get it choked up over the fact that she prepares um, – she says last, or I think she assists in last rites and, and prepares bodies for people who have no families. Incredible. She gets couple burial, and I can't imagine like the solitude. I'm getting like emotional thinking about it. The solitude she must have to feel, but she genuinely cares about the people. Again, makes me feel like I'm an imposter in this life. By the way, last week we did this episode about the horrible Satanist who's trying to. Um, bring the devil into the world through or sex. Yes, or create rituals in order to have gay sex. You have to listen to the episode. You do. Um, but, you know, that episode, I think people were like, wow, these two Hollywood, West Hollywood jerks, uh, godless heathens, guess where we got the idea for this episode? Ooh. From <laughs> my wife reading about it in a church bulletin oh my at God, her Catholic church. That's amazing. Where how often does the Catholic church... I mean, that's a pretty, yeah. pretty by the book bulletin. It's pretty much like yeah. the same stuff. I'm trying to think all week I after week from my bulletins that were the advertisers because right. they were so random. Right, it like, was like which Dodo's <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> As um. she put it, I read it because you want to see like which mortuary took out the bigger ad. Like, there's a little bit of drama in that bulletin, but not that much. Uh, but this one straight up said like, "Hey, there's this book. You need to read it. It's called The Prison Angel. It's awesome." That's pretty cool. I wonder if um, your wife's mother, who is the um, Irish immigrant, yes, um, I would love to to join a book club with her. I would love to do anything with her. Oh my god, she's the best. She's one of the smartest, most fun, most hilarious people oh ever. Oh my god, so funny. Oh. I love. I live and die for her aphorisms. I live and die for her take on stuff. I have a list on my phone of great things that she said. Do you want to give us one There are so please. many of them. Well, the single best one, I think, yeah. is it's the simple hunger, saying, is hunger is the best sauce. I know. I think that's not her greatest tip, but it's strong. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, every think about it. Every time you eat like a subpar burrito, <laughs> you're like, why is this so good? Oh, it has the best sauce. <laughs> um, my favorite story is Tim came back from the car one day, and he did that thing that we all do. Which is where we take every single bag with us in one trip because we are oh. um, we are not motivated people who want to make two trips, and I think you ripped one of the bags and everything fell everywhere mm. and you got really frustrated and I think you had a curse or kick something. Um, you're like, get dag nabbit, and uh, your mother-in-law looks at you and goes, Tim, that was a lazy man's load, <laughs> and it, okay. I still laugh about it to this I day. I definitely didn't do any of those things, but she does use that are phrase. Are you telling me? No, I think you She uses Tim, that phrase to describe you gaslighting me? I that, that definitely didn't happen. But so you're telling me I filled in that entire yeah, story. Yeah, so it makes me look bad in front of all these people. Yeah, Aww. But that's okay. It's okay. Uh, I think, no, I think you told me this directly. Sorry. It's anytime, anytime someone journalist. brings in too many groceries at once or tries to carry too much laundry and ends up botching the job because they're overloaded, she calls it a lazy man's load. She's the best. Which is genius. Which is the story Tim told me, but now it's not. Um, there's another one where somebody was waiting for an apology, and she said, 
she's going to have a long night there standing. <laughs> Another one I really like is I didn't wake up in the cabbage patch. Yeah. That's excellent. Another fantastic one. I wouldn't write down on paper what I wouldn't put on the wall. That's actually very smart, too. Very that's smart. That's not only charming, it's good advice. Um, she's also taught us to say some horrible things in Gaelic, which is very funny. Did you know that sound like 1% of Irish people speak Gaelic still? Yeah, it's a dead language, right? Isn't that nuts? It's it a beautiful nuts. language. Is it? Yeah. Mm. I absolutely love it. I mean, think, look, listen to how beautiful this is. Where is this from? Is it from the Druids or something? Listen I don't to this know wonderful word. Okay. Margarly. Margarly. What do you but think you Margarly means? Margarly probably means some kind of meat cake. Oh, that's pretty close. What is it? It means testicles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, I have a sixth sense about this, you see. Oh, nicely done. Thank you so much. Um, so who do we think is worthy of playing Antonia um, Brenner? Uh, Sister Brenner, um, the prison angel, uh, has a pretty cherubic, nondescript, and very angelic face, but also, it really, this is a costume part, and it's the habit. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. But you and I, I think, unanimously agree that this would be an ideal part for Amy Adams. Um, also, yes. young Brenner um, has a striking resemblance to Candace Bergen, so perhaps... Candace mm -hmm. could do the, la the last couple of years because she's in the right age range. That would be good. I, I like I like Amy Adams as her in like the 60s. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like Judy Dench for later in life. Interesting, yeah. I don't, I, do I, I don't think that Judy plays American enough. Not that she should change, but she doesn't stretch that much. I'd like to see it. Funny, Judy Dench, I think, played Philomena. That is correct. And did she? Let me just double check. Um, yeah, so she could make up for that. She uh, could make up for negative that. Negative portrayal nice of the, <laughs> <laughs> of the church. Um, she did play Philomena. Um, we also, uh, the other one that we both came to because we just want this actress to be in everything yeah. is Elizabeth Shue. Okay, Tim and I got obsessed with Elizabeth Shue because she is in The Battle of the Sexes, which was kind of overrated or under overlooked this year in the yeah. awards race. I liked it. Um, Elizabeth Shue has this kind of amazing, weathered, heiress, California vibe about her. She reminded me of a... In the film. In the film. <laughs> um, she had this vibe of, uh, if you guys don't know who CZ Guest is, you should please look her up <laughs> because she's an iconic socialite and entertainer. Um, and I believe uh, was at one time an owner or a frequenter of um, the Hearst Castle. Really? Yes. There are an amazing set of photos of her by the Olympus Pool wow. on the coast. Yeah. So I don't know if she was married into the family. She may have been. Um, wow. Anyway. Uh, I want her to play every role that is anywhere near right for her. Yes, Elizabeth, because um, she's really strong. And she could do like the younger version and then they could age her if they had to um, to eventually play the nun. And she's rad. She's fearless. She is fearless. And she's really, um, I don't know. She just, she everything she does has this sort of subtle meaning to it. I love it. I mean, to be super, to take this away from Elizabeth Shue for a second, every time I say an actor is brave or fearless, yeah. I mean like as an actor. I don't mean like as a firefighter. You don't mean that she would go in and stop a prison riot? Maybe that's how she can audition. Yeah, like actors and actresses are on a different plane of brave than like, you know, first responders, yeah. prison angels, things like that. Um, so I don't want to be that Hollywood bozo who's like, so much courage. So much courage. What so was it like to sit in the makeup chair for two hours? In a day of wonders. One wonder more. <laughs> um, and I think that there's obviously some great opportunity for some cool prisoners who redeem themselves. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, there's got to be someone from the from the church establishment that's like, you can't do this. You divorced. Yeah, it's the guy. Woman of no morals. It's the guy who is Babe's owner and Babe. 
Um, James, James Tall Guy, James Tall or Man. Or just Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz, yeah, yeah. But that would be an Amy Adams reunion with That's big eyes. That's a bingo, yeah. That, which is fine. That's, That's fine. a great movie. Um, my wonderful, brilliant wife who yes, bought us we this incredible idea. We had pulled up to gunpoint and said you have to credit me, which we are because she's the best. She didn't want credit so much because... That you know, she doesn't. She didn't care that much about Listen that. To this good husband. She going did on. care. She did care very much that two people be cast in this film. Um, oh yeah. She please wasn't submit, particular please about. Please submit Mrs. Malloy's casting <laughs> ideas. Mrs. McCarrick. She, she didn't take her, her name. No. Oh, That's interesting. Don't do the name. Grown thing. woman, get it, girl. I mean, yeah. Who? Why? It's why would I curse anyone with so the Malloy name? <laughs> Trash Irish name. Who does she want in the movie? All right, first of all, she wants one of the greatest actors of all time who I would have, jokes on her, I would have cast him in this anyway, Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, uh, yeah, actually, she loves her. She loves him so much that you called him LDP. LDP, yeah. That's Lou Diamond Phillips. kind of crazy. Um, I love Lou Diamond Phillips. She loves Lou Diamond Phillips. We don't really have a role in mind for Lou Diamond Phillips, and we don't care. Um, he could be the warden of the prison. He could be in the prison. He could be her first husband in Beverly Hills, mm -hmm. her second husband. We don't care. Totally. We just want LDP to be in the movie. Somewhere in here, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to tell a terrible LDP story uh, that doesn't make him look bad, but makes me look very bad. Oh, here we go. At this point. Okay. When I worked at another publication, um, Lou Diamond Phillips came into the office to do an interview, and we were just kind of bantering. Um, and Dustin Diamond from Saved by the Bell had been in the week before. Oh, no. So one of our clever videographers said, oh, hey, we just had your brother in here, Dustin Diamond, because Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh-oh. And Lou Diamond Phillips had said, ha-ha, yeah, good one. And I said, okay, a little background. Mackenzie Phillips, <laughs> the week before, had come out with a story about how her father, John Phillips. Let's back up one Phillips, more time. No, go ahead. How her oh father, right. John Phillips, had sexually assaulted her. Oh, no. So I said something else about, like, yeah, and your sister came in and told that horrible story about your dad. Oh, God. And Lou <laughs> Phillips looked at me, like, mouth agape. My like, God. Oh, no. What happened? Like, what do you mean? Like, why are you saying this horrible thing? Like, I don't even know if he has a sister. Oh, my God. And I told the Mackenzie Phillips thing, and he just kind of stared at me like, why would you say that? Why would you say that? <laughs> why would you possibly? that up that's something i would do yeah so i i badly misfired i'm sorry to lou diamond phillips the other person who she always uh wants in movies is charlie hunnam yes i've had to Cast. see numerous charlie hunnam movies you saw that i would not have otherwise seen king arthur i saw king arthur i kind of enjoyed it um he's a good actor i like him he's more i think he's more of a looker than he is an actor but I mean, she likes him and me for the same reasons. It's true. We look alike. Blonde locks. Blonde locks. Break a bistro chair over your chest. Chair. 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 Thank you. Good job, Tim. Um, Matt, if there's a guy who looks like you could break a chair over his chest without him flinching, the word is chair. I go, chair. Chair. As in, like, there's someone standing in the wings to hand me a prop chair. <laughs> in my own, my, my daily version of oh, hello <laughs> that I act every day in my social life. Um, I'm like, chair. Grip. <laughs> <laughs> so she wants Charlie Hunnam to play someone. I don't know what role there is for Charlie Hunnam for well, British actually Charlie Hunnam. Well, I think you and I settled on Jesus. We did settle on Jesus. In some kind of vision, but he, we have to wig him because Jesus has brown hair, as all the historical records tell us. 
the way <laughs> the way we're gonna go with white blonde Jesus. Yeah. Huh. What if he was like ginger and it was the biggest controversy? That would be really controversial. That would be so controversial. People are so crazy about red hair. It's not that big of a deal. Well, first, the f- us going with a white Jesus in and of itself is a, a crazy decision. But to go hard white Jesus yeah. with the red hair Jesus, I think would definitely cause a stir. Left turn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, the the reason Jesus is in the movie is because. Um, What's Jesus doing in the movie? He's appearing to our sister. Uh, he appears to her in a dream where she is going to be executed at Cavalry, I believe it is. Oh. And he says, I'll take your place. And she says, no, no, you don't have to take my place, and I will never leave your side. Um, wow. And that is how she begins walking this path that she oh walks. Oh, my God. Um, and I have to admit, the reason that we came up with some of those analogies of, like, True Beverly Hills meets Dead Man Walking is... When Tin said the phrase prison angel, the first thing that popped into my head is uh, Goldie Hawn's character from one of my favorite films. I don't care how controversial this may be. But one of my favorite films and my favorite Woody Allen film is one called Everyone Says I Love You. Mm-hmm. It's in the 90s. It's a musical with Ed Norton and Drew Barrymore and Natasha Leone and Alan Alda and Goldie Hawn and Julia Roberts. And it's an incredible cast. Yeah. Um, however, Goldie plays the sort of like um, what, what Bill Maher would call a limousine liberal. Um, mm. They live in Park Avenue. They have a lot of money. They donate to a lot of charities. And there's this incredible cutaway scene that d- does nothing for the plot at all. It just exists. <laughs> of Goldie going in like a white Chanel suit to, a, to speak and address a bunch of prisoners and law enforcement people. And she says, like, um, we need serious reform, better cuisine. Let the prisoners participate in decorating their own cells. Um, <laughs> so the second I, he said prison angel, I'm like, oh, that sounds totally like, like Goldie or, or Shelley Long as Phyllis Neffler from True Beverly Hills walking in. Like, let's, dra- let's brighten this place up. It's so drab. <laughs> um, and I love that idea. And the other reason is um, people are dummies. And you Thanks. really need to sell it as... This meets this, yeah. or they'll they'll never see yes. it. It's called comps in the business. There are no co- comparable projects. Yeah, if we were to just say, look, this is an inspiring story of a Beverly Hills mom of eight who decided to leave her cushy life besi- aside in order to dedicate herself to service, you all would go snooze. Snooze. I'm going to take that out. Sounds real judgy. You never. Man. Um who can direct this movie? Oh God, um, I think that. Uh, well, wait. Who has um, who has a l- an affinity for the Catholic imagination? Oh, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. For some reason, I think Maggie Gyllenhaal would crush this if she ever wanted to direct. Oh man, that'd be amazing. Wouldn't that be great? I don't know why. I don't know if she has any association whatsoever with the Catholic Church, but I just think she's great in everything. I think she's great, and also I think that she's not very precious about stuff. Oh, so yeah. That she wouldn't deuce? make this, like, um, you, you know, shoot it through the Jessica Lang f- halo filter and, like, give her a bunch of handy monologues. And I think it would be a really, um, like, a movie full of utility. So Almost like Aaron Brockovich ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Sod- oh, Soderbergh could do an amazing job. Oh, Soderbergh could do an amazing job. Um, is it Soderbergh or is it Soderbergh? Soderbergh, I guess. Soderbergh makes you sound more sophisticated, but it doesn't sound right to me. Steven Soderbergh could do a great job Soderberg. because he's obviously familiar with on the border stories. Yes, Such true. as Traffic, one Absolutely. of the best movies ever. Ever. Um, yeah, that would be fantastic. So interesting. But then we probably get Julia Roberts playing. I know playing she could do it. Name. She could do it. I don't know. Do you think she's too much? Is she too big for the part? No. No. I think she's tried to play real people before, and I don't know that it worked when she played Elizabeth Gilbert in Eat, Pray, Love. I mean, it worked with Aaron Brockovich. That's very true. But no one. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. She okay. got Best Actress. She did. 
And she got to do that amazing monologue where she relives her pageant. Yeah. I love that scene. She does good. She does some good stuff. She's she's got it. Um, this is really beautiful. I think. Uh, are we missing anything? Anybody else in this whole shebang? No. Just want to give a serious shout out to Mary Jordan and Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. The two and Irish to Deirdre McCarrick. And to Deirdre McCarrick yeah. for bringing us this material. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope one of you out there will make this. Exactly. I know we and went by on the some way, tangents. Um, I don't know. I'm sure maybe her order accepts donations, or maybe just if you like her story, be nice to somebody today. That's a good idea. Yeah. Is that too judgy of me or too preachy? No. That's no. probably the simplest way to yeah. directly. Yeah, I heard do something. this. Um, I heard this phrase this week that I'm obsessed with, and I, I just want to find a way to work it. I know inevitably I'll find a way to put it into a story, um, but I heard the president of GLAD speak about how abysmal representation was last year in mainstream films for LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said to the this group of people at, at, at a talent agency sort of addressing the industry, she said, it's so bad that the only thing we have to do to get off the floor is stand up. Wow. So I feel like um, there's also a lesson in there, too. Like, it might be small gestures, but they still have big meanings. So if you like our, our sweet prison angel sister, do something cool for somebody else. Like, I'm not going to attack Tim for the rest of the day. I That's my contribution. I read and wrote a couple stories about the excellent GQ profile of Sarah Silverman. Oh, God, yeah. Someone what called... That story, like, the every question... Yeah. It's a different soundbite and a different breakout story. It's a good, it's a really good profile. Yeah. Do you and know who wrote that? Or um, who Drew McGurry? Oh, I love Drew McGurry. Yeah, great writer. Yeah. Yeah, he's so grumpy and he's so bro-ish. Like, I, I, I actually, like, love him. Well, she says some stuff. Him. She says some stuff that's really, like... Incendiary? Ex- no, that's extremely, extremely, like, forgiving, like, of people like Louis C.K. and Al Franken. And he pushes back and he's kind of like, yeah. wait a minute. And he has like a very strong like BS detector, um, and really pushes her back, which makes her uh, sort of explore her feelings more and more thoroughly, and it makes the story better. It's not like a pat. The things she says are not pat. Um, they seem really deeply held and deeply felt. Yeah. And his his pushback actually helps. It's so interesting. Not to totally digress on this, but it's so interesting to me. But and I think I think only a few people have it. But when some people take the self agency to totally opt out of an apologist society that we live in, mm. and sometimes very rightfully, I- it's so interesting that people who successfully achieve that, and Tina Fey is one of them. Mm. She won't apologize for her jokes anymore, even though like I think that Kimmy Schmidt had some problems with like yeah. Native people, and Asian people, and black people, and queer people. Um, but yeah, it's, women of c- it's interesting that it's two women of comedy who I think really perfectly establish their own rules and yeah. get away with not having to say sorry for five minutes. What Silverman did, and there is stuff that she has said sorry for. She did a blackface episode where she's like, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, But the thing that she did that has just stayed with me all week is somebody on Twitter called her the C word, which is like so beyond the pale, ridiculous. You are well within your rights to never have anything to do with this person ever again. She reads through his other tweets and is like, who did this? And like, why would they do it? And all of his other tweets are like crazy racial slurs and stuff and stuff about his back pain and how much like agony he's in. And she reaches out to him and says, you're in a lot of pain. <sighs> and not as like a taunt, but like yeah. realizing like this person is lashing That's out real out of complete weakness. That's real empathy. And has empathy for him. And they mm-hmm. develop kind of a DM relationship where she figures out what's going on with him. Um, he tells GQ that this really opened his eyes and made him like reevaluate everything he was doing. Yeah. Uh, and she ends up paying some of his medical bills. Wow. It's like... That's so above and beyond 
empathy or what can normally be expected of people. Yeah. And just think if we all did that. I, I mean, know. I or certainly even don't. Even if your word and your deed were like this close or, or, cl or very close. Yeah. Because I don't know that much. I mean, <laughs> we should go evaluate our lives, Tim. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And, but I, like I said, uh, all you have to do to get off the floor is stand up. Let's go. Um, all you have to do to keep hearing shit this now is read us five stars on iTunes. That's all. Great transition. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we'll leave it at that. Okay. We'll we'll head off and get burritos. I know. Please Happy Memorial Day, everyone. Please read the book. Thank you to all of our Memorial Day people who yes, have given their lives people. and made incredible sacrifices. Look, we're, it's like the Oscars. We're going to fix everything today on this podcast. This is a real... <laughs> <laughs> a real fixy episode. We're really patting ourselves <laughs> on the back for being great people. <laughs> oh no, we're no. no. Let, now let's turn off the equipment and talk shit about everyone in the in the office. Sounds or good. I will. Okay. Thanks. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks.